Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, bomber great Doug Brown on the bombers in Calgary. Mark Coho of Bike Winnipeg reacts to the driver who's on the hook after his car was hit by a cyclist and Eddie Perez of the Mavericks before their show Tuesday at the Burke. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Mike Winnipeg will join us in about 10 minutes, 10 or 12 minutes. We'll continue the conversation about Louis Beals. He was in a car, a bike hit him, and Louis's got to pay his deductible. And of course, will, you know, have any impact that might have on his uh, license, even though the cyclist was on the sidewalk at the time. Lots of action on this one today. Oh, boy. 204-780-6868. Hal at CJOB.com. I will get to your text messages and your emails, phone calls. They always take priority. And on the phone right now, number 97, bomber great Doug Brown. Hi, Doug. How's it going, Hal? How are you? Excellent. Well, can we beat the stamps tomorrow? What do you think? You're going to have to at some point, so you might as well start with tomorrow. Granted, they've already beat them this season so far, but that was without Bo Levi Mitchell at quarterback. So um, a lot of things go through Calgary when it comes to Western Division playoffs. So uh, tomorrow would be a nice start because uh, whether it whether it happens uh, on Saturday or whether it happens in the first or second round of the playoffs, uh, it's very possible the Bombers are going to have to be successful in Calgary. Bo Levi Mitchell really is, you know... It, it's a team, but he is that one player that really makes a huge difference, eh? Yeah, he's he's got tons of swagger. I hate to use that word um, without a, a trademark reference, but he's a <laughs> uh, super confident, super polished guy. Um, he's used to winning. He's accustomed to it and, uh, you know, call it cocky or arrogant, but the guy is successful. He backs it up on the football field, and uh, he's just uh, he's a brilliant quarterback. He gets things done. You know, you're never out of the game if Bo Levi Mitchell's at the helm of your of your offense. Yeah. Hey, uh, long snapper Chad Rempel is out. Um, I know how you feel about some uh, positions on a football team. How do you feel about the long snapper? I, I'm not sure I want to hear this. Well, you know, it's, it's one job. So uh, <laughs> disappointing when you, you can't be there and, and do that one thing. But uh <laughs> <laughs> he's been around for a while, so I'll give him the respect. He's a, he's yeah. a veteran player. He's he's stuck around. He's one of the best at his things. But you know, you're snapping a football. Yeah, that's that's as far as it goes. <laughs> I love it. I knew you were going to say that. Um, answer me a question. You know, uh, Chris Drebler had wasn't playing great there for about a game and a half. He seems like he's back on track again. What do you think that's all about? Do you think that uh, Zach Kolaris uh, in Bomberland? Uh, maybe you woke him up, or 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 was it just a, a little mini slump he was going through? Well, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, a lot of coaches will tell you the best thing at every single position is competition. So it uh, definitely uh, gets your attention when they bring in an accomplished veteran player 
um, to back you up at your spot. I mean, the writing is on the wall there. You keep making mistakes or you keep forcing the ball downfield. You keep turning it over. There's going to be changes made. It's inevitable. So it gets real in a hurry when you bring in uh, a veteran player of that kind of caliber. And uh, I don't think it's a coincidence in any way, shape or form that uh, he's gotten a lot better since, uh, you know, somebody's uh, shadow is, is looming over him right now. Yesterday, uh, I had Milt Stiegel on my show, and he was on the start this morning. He's been in Winnipeg helping out the HSC uh, Millionaire Lottery, and uh, I threw a few names at him. Uh, I said, I'm just going to throw a few names, and you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. And I said, Chris Strebler, and he said, Warrior, and I said, uh, Andrew Harris, and he said, Amazing. And then I said, Zach Kolaris, the newest bomber. And listen to what Milt said, and then I want to get your uh, reaction to this. Okay, Doug? Yeah. Here's what he said. Listen. I hope he doesn't step on the field ever again. And that's just me speaking like if I was talking about my son. If Zach Kalars was my son, I would never want him to step on the football field again. I don't care if you were giving him a billion dollars. I just look at his health and what he has to offer for, 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 for the future, for his family. I hope he never steps on the field again. And I was kind of surprised at that. I guess maybe I shouldn't have been. Milt's not afraid to say what he thinks. What do you think about Zach Kolaris maybe one day stepping back on the field? Coming in heavy, huh? Yeah. uh, That's quite the hot take. Um, You know what? It's up to Zach, really. He's the only one that understands how he feels and uh, that's had all those concussions and has gone through the protocol. And, you know, things are – this game is safer than it's ever been right now. And uh, Zach's the only guy that knows if there's lingering effects and uh, things that he's concerned about. And, you know, he's, he's a veteran grown man. He, he understands the, the risks that come with football and, and what long-term uh, impairment can be like uh, every time you step on the field, you know, you're one shot away from changing the rest of your life. So he's very well informed. The game is as safe as it wants to be. So, you know, if he's, uh, if he's up for it, nobody can tell him better than how he feels, and that's his decision to make. So uh, if he wants to play, I, I don't have a problem with it. Let's bring Mark Coho into the conversation, Executive Director of Bike Winnipeg. Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thanks for, for two things. Thanks for always being available on this. It's not always the nicest conversations to have and people yeah. are pretty passionate about this, but you're always willing to talk and I appreciate that. And thanks for coming in studio too. You bet. Um, okay. Your, your reaction to this situation, um, as you just said to me off air and I went, yep, you're right about that. We don't live in a perfect world. No, we, we certainly don't. I know I emphasize with I emphasize size with, uh, both the driver here yeah. and the, the, the woman riding your bike. Right. And I think, you know, uh, a first thing to look at is, what are our regulations and our infrastructure doing uh, in this situation? And I think in this case, it's letting both the, the man on the vehicle and the woman on the bike down. Uh, you know, a right turn on red, I think we need to be asking, uh, should that be a legal action in a mixed-use uh, urban area hmm. like I Maryland even and, about that. and Westminster? Yeah. Uh, from a safety point of view, I think the answer is a clear no. Hmm. Yeah. Um, is the answer, because a lot of people go there, and I just went there with a caller that called in, and, and he's both a cyclist and a driver. Is the answer, if a bike's going to be on a street in Winnipeg and wants to be, and I've said to you and I've said to listeners on the air, if there's a cyclist in front of me or behind me or with me on the street, I treat them like another vehicle. They, they sometimes frustrate me, but mm-hmm. I really do treat them like another vehicle. Is the answer here a licensing and insurance requirement for cyclists so that if something does happen, 
where a cyclist is wrong, and I'm not saying the cyclist is wrong in this case, but let's say a cyclist is wrong, now the driver of the vehicle has a way of saying, hey, this is on you, not me. So, so absolutely not. I, I don't think that uh, insuring and licensing of uh, people who are biking or bikes is, is a way to go. Uh, I, I don't think it's a practical um, solution. Uh, when we look at uh, the claims that go through MPI, um, certainly the amounts that are related to, to people on bikes are, are tiny. And generally, uh, they tend to be injury claims, um, which you know I think is a fact that um, it's not the bicycle or the person riding the bike that's causing an injury to a person in a vehicle. It's the fact that we have decided to make our public rights away uh, available for motor vehicles. I have no problem with that. Um, but that's where the injury comes from, and the fact that we're insuring our motor vehicles has to do with the fact that that's the, the vehicles causing the damage uh, and the injuries in most cases. So what is the answer then? You spoke to this particular case, and I don't yeah. think that's a bad idea. You might have a really good point there. What is the answer then if it's not licensing and or registration for cyclists? Well, certainly, I think the answer is we can work on education and uh, Bike Winnipeg, along with the Green Action Centre, we are working on education uh, to make sure that's better, but we can do a better job of educating uh, people in vehicles as well to make sure they're looking out. But I think critically what we need to be doing is making sure we're providing infrastructure that makes it safe, no matter whether you're choosing to walk, to bike, to take transit, or to drive on our roads. And unfortunately, I don't think we've been doing that to the degree that we need to be doing it. I've said this and others have said this on our air. Cyclists kind of want the best of both worlds. In this case, it was a cyclist with a bike on a sidewalk. Uh, you're not supposed to do that. But that, but yet in this case, it doesn't appear as though, and a listener called up and said, I think that MPI should be saying, here's the person's name and number and let police pursue uh, you know, whatever can happen there. But uh, it does seem like cyclists, some cyclists, mm-hmm want it both ways. They want to be treated like another vehicle on the road, but they'll zip in and out of cars. Uh, they'll uh, get up on the sidewalk and, and cross there if it's a red light. Yeah, uh, there's no question. I think whether you look at people who are walking, people who are biking, people who are driving, we're not great at following the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, it falls on all of us. Uh, and I think as well, when we look at what rules are broken, whether you're walking, you break some set of rules. If you're biking, you'll break a different set of rules. And if yep. you're driving, you probably break a, a different set of rules. And uh, if we're in a vehicle, we see that, that person on the bike breaking a rule. We think that's the only rules being broken. If we're on a bike, we tend to see uh, the rules being broken by the person in the vehicle. It is very polarizing, so absolutely. It's, it's definitely where you're looking at it uh, that comes through yep. it. And again, I think, you know, um, we're not going to make people behave properly mm-hmm. in every circumstance. That's just not a situation that's going to happen. Yeah. What we can do, what we do have control over, is how we build our roadways to make sure we're providing space uh, available um, for people to walk, to bike, to buy, uh, or to take transit, uh, but also to make sure that uh, the, the types of conflicts and encounters that people uh, and come in up with aren't going to be hazardous to them uh, and that we can manage that sort of conflict yeah. uh, and and resolve that. Um, you know, this will be up to MPI to figure out mm. what happens. Uh, and I'm sure they'll look through it and, you know, what, what happens will happen. But I think yeah. we also look to the fact is that in that neighborhood, you're, you're on a roadway, uh, Westminster, 
that has more traffic than anyone in, uh, from the Transportation Association of Canada, which it suggests should have uh, bikes and traffic mixing without any kind of infrastructure. Uh, obviously, Maryland is a one-way, um, you know, with a, a painted bike lane. Some people might feel okay on that. Many don't. So we have to look at what options are we providing. Uh, you know, we, if we do want to have equity in our in our, our area, and, and mobility is, 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 you know, I think as fundamental a human right as there is, we need to make sure that we're providing those um, means for people mm-hmm. to act uh, in a safe way. Otherwise, they're going to take it into their own hands. They're going to feel that... Uh, the roadway system, the transportation system, isn't looking out for my my safety. I'll I'll do the best I can, and that might not be the best choice that yeah. people are making in those situations. I think you definitely could make an argument that hey, this is why we need more bike paths. Situations like this, but at the same time, on the other side of it, playing devil's advocate, very near to there, there is a bike path, right, where somebody could have. Uh, it's a street it's, or two over, isn't it? Uh, it's pretty far. There's okay. no there's no bike path. I might be wrong on that. That's there is why I'm a asking. there is a bike lane on Maryland, um, but Westminster. Wolseley are just mixed use. So right. they just, they're just streets where if you're on a bike, yeah. you're interacting with traffic just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's funny, uh, Mark, I almost feel like today, and I knew this was going to, when I heard from Louis Beals, I knew this was going to light up the lines around here. It almost kind of reminds me of the election campaign that we've been in, you know? The people that believe this are going to believe that, and they will justify it with their arguments. And the people who believe this are going to justify it and believe it for their reasons. And I do empathize with that. They weren't involved in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like I said, I think the situation that we need to look at, can we produce uh, an environment that that makes this a little easier going? And and I think the answer is we can, and that's what we should be working towards. you know, um, we live in a situation where it's it's sort of one against the other, yeah. uh, and that's sort of our legal system, our insurance system, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how it, how it comes. Uh, yeah. It'll work its way through, um, and, and I guess, uh, unfortunately, everyone involved in it has to wait until it does work its way through. Yeah. Uh, Mark, again, I appreciate your time and always being available to talk about this. As I said, it's a very polarizing issue. A lot of people fired up on both sides. And and it's important to hear your perspective at Bike Winnipeg and cyclists as well, because we do all have to figure this out. We have to share the roads together. We do. We do. And, you know, I I hope everyone is looking out there, uh, being careful, certainly with the damage to the trees. A lot of those trees are hanging out into the streets, so... Uh, be vigilant out there, but also recognize that people are going to be uh, weaving in and out. And, you know, if you are on your bike, uh, make sure you're looking pretty far ahead and uh, get some signals out there. But don't be afraid to get out in that lane because uh, you don't want to be weaving in and out. You want to make sure people have time to react uh, and that you're as visible as possible. Very good point. To get ready for our next guest, let's play this. Love it, the Mavericks swinging. The Mavericks playing the Burt on Tuesday night. And joining us now, one of the Mavericks, Eddie Perez. Eddie, good afternoon. 
Hey, how are you guys doing today? It's Excellent. Nice to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Can I ask you, a, a, I was talking to somebody earlier, and I was trying to describe your music. What do you guys call your music when you're talking about exactly what it is? You're, I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean in that way. But what do you call the genre of music <laughs> that you, you guys play? You know, we know how difficult that can be. It's quite an affair to to explain that to somebody. But you know, uh, you know, music today has just cross pollinated with all different genres mixing into one another now, and there's such a blend of everything. It's really hard to classify it. I think as as just a regular genre type of music. But I just tell people we play joyous music. How about that? I like that. <laughs> joyous. joyous music. Yeah. No, that's cool. Uh, one of the other hosts here at CJOB, Jeff Courier, talked with one of you at, at some point a while ago, and he said that you're inspired by Duke Ellington, and, and Duke El- or at least some of you are, and Duke Ellington said there's only two types of music, good and bad. So I, I guess you're joyous and good. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, that's a, certainly a nice compliment. Uh you know, we're always trying to hit the mark, uh, you know, in terms of, of what that means to us, you know. Uh, and so uh, there's always a high bar that we're trying to get to. And, uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be any sign of uh, stopping on, on that front for us. You know, we just keep pushing ahead and just keep trying to, you know, make the perfect cut. You know, <laughs> we still keep trying. Boy, you got many perfect cuts. Happy 30th. I should have said that right off the hop. Happy 30th anniversary, by the way. Oh, thank you so much for that. It's it's really a treat to be able to have this moment. Uh, you know, not many bands uh, can withstand the rigors of this crazy business we're in, but uh, you know, somehow we've we've made it uh, along this journey uh, through the ups and downs, and it's uh, a really great time for us right now. And I think uh, the shows and the music and just the camaraderie, I think that is infectious. And I think that shows, you know, in, in, in the shows and the performances. How has the world tour been? Because we're getting you kind of at the end of the tour. Well, it's been a fantastic, uh, you know, experience so far. I mean, it's been really involved and it's been a lot of travel. I mean, just this year alone, we've been, God, all, all over the place. We've been back and forth to Europe about three or four times. We're now up in Canada, you know, in your fine country and all across the state. So it's it's. It's been a blur, but I will tell you, we've had a ball, and it's been very inspiring. Uh, you would think that you're, after all those tour dates, uh, you would think that you're you know, worn out and you're ready to just take a, a big block of time up. But the truth is, we have found a lot of inspiration in being as busy and uh, you know, creative as, as we can be. So uh, we, are, uh, we all like to say we're, we're lifers at this, so we, we just keep going. <laughs> That's great. And when you do a show like the Burt on Tuesday here in Winnipeg, is it hard to uh, come up with a, a lineup of songs? I mean, you have so many to pick from. Do you guys uh, fight about that or explain that process? <laughs> no, you know, it is a difficult uh, thing to kind of jam pack all those years of music in, into a, a show, you know, an evening show. Uh, you know, we have somewhat of a, a, a list that kind of go by, but, uh, once we get into the, the, the show, you know, three, four songs into the show, uh, you know, Raul, our, our primary songwriter and, and front man and, and singer, he he really is at the helm of a lot of that. And uh, we just kind of always have to be on our toes. You know, it's uh, a lot of a lot of music to, to remember and to, to put in your bonnet there. But, uh, you know, when it's something you really love and it's something you're, you're a part of and you're emotionally invested, uh, you know, you look forward to those moments that kind of catch you off guard because it's a bit of a challenge to try to remember 
<laughs> all those tunes. And, you know, at any given moment, Raul will call out, you know, something we haven't played, uh, you know, in, in years or sometimes something we've never played at all. So it's, uh, it's always exciting for us. It keeps it uh, very spontaneous for the, for the band me- members involved and also for the audience as well. So you never know what's going to happen, but it, it is, it is pretty difficult to, to jam pack those, those, all those songs in that, in that uh, small uh, amount of time. Well, but I, I, I think that generally, generally, generally speaking, though, I think that we do have a pretty good mix of everything we've done over the years. And, and I think people come away with a really good sense of, of where the band's been, what we've been doing and where we're going. So it's, it's uh, been a really big treat for us. Well, I know your fans are really excited about the show on Tuesday at The Bird. And, Eddie, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes here to chat with us. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity, and we're looking forward to seeing all you fine people out there. Eddie Perez of the Mavericks. Again, they're here Tuesday night at The Bird. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.